Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Russo, excited to be back on the Football Scoop Podcast. It's kind of an exciting day, kind of a bummer of a day, because as you guys know, I've been teasing our content manager of Football Scoop, Doug Samuels, was not allowed on the pod until he won the state championship or otherwise. And unfortunately, we come to today, it's otherwise. Doug's team went undefeated through uh, high school, a regular season. Doug is the head coach at Comstock Park up in Michigan. Just triumphant 9-0 regular season. Came to a screeching halt in the first round of the playoffs. Went up against an <laughs> incredibly talented team. And Doug's team came on the wrong end. My friend, it's good to see you, good to speak with you. But I wish uh, we had to delay this by more weeks. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, but it, it was a special season. And there's only a handful of teams in school history that won nine games. And, and our guys get to say they're one of them. So it took me a couple days to get over it. But uh, I think I'm in a, a better place now. Tell me about going into the season. I don't I mean, Doug, I don't know. I've never been a high school head football coach, but do you even think undefeated is a possibility? I think uh, I think we knew that we could contend for the conference title. Uh, I think last year, you know, during COVID and everything like that and all the challenges we had to face, we, we were still getting to know our, our team really through, you know, week four or five. And at that point, we were like, we, we're, we know we're talented, but we're probably a year away. Uh, so, so we knew we, we could contend for the conference title. I don't know if any of us saw undefeated coming, but uh, that, that was a, a pleasant surprise for sure. Tell me something you learned about this team, you know, these players. What did what did you learn about them? What did they learn about themselves throughout this season? Uh, th- this w- this was a fun team. There was a lot of uh, you know kind of goofballs, but they were there were some kids that uh, were were very very tough. Uh, tough in terms of you know taking out their own stitches or telling them to tape it up and get back in. I mean that we we, we kind of had guys that ran the gamut as far as. Uh, uh, you know, guys that, you know, I think when you and I, you look back to when you and I played and, and there's some, some really tough dudes and you feel like those guys aren't around anymore. And I, I feel like we, we had a couple of them on this year's team. That's awesome. Uh, Cause you, you do from, from afar, you look at high school football today and you say, man, these guys, kids aren't as tough as they were used to be back in the seventies. when I played." So, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear y'all are still te- teaching toughness. When you say took their own stitches out, feel free to elaborate on that one. Yeah, so we, I was at a I was at a um, a media interview thing we were doing on the radio, and I look over, and uh, one of my players has his, his leg wrapped up. I'm like, what What's going on? I didn't know he was hurt, but he was kind of gimping around at practice. So I asked him what was going on, and he kind of lifted up his his uh, his shorts a little bit. He he had stitches in his leg. And um, I had no idea what happened. Evidently, he was using a knife or something, and it slipped, and it looked like a shark attacked his leg. Um, and and come time to get it out, he didn't go back to the doctor's office. He just decided he was going to take it out himself, I guess. So, uh, one, one, just one of those throwback tough kids that you uh, what was was kind of the face of our defense and was really good offensive player too. Oh. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me at what point during the season you made the proclamation that if we go undefeated, you will allow the team to shave your beard. Uh, that that happened actually back in the winter. I think we were just kind of, you know, a, a normal workout. And uh, so this was back in December, January. And, you know, I figured it's a, it's a safe bet after you go one and six to, to put the beard on the line. 
And I, I don't know if that's the that's the carrot that our, our guys needed or what the story was. But I, I joked around at the all conference meeting after after it was shaved off that I was, you know, I was going for at least Andy Reid. And I think I ended up with Mark Mangino and uh, just wasn't wasn't a great look for me. <clears throat> for what it's worth, it's coming back in rather quickly. Yes, yes, it is. Not not quick enough, but it, it, it's not bad. So we uh, Zach and I did a pod. We had Jeff Trailer on the head coach UTSA. And I think they were maybe six and zero at the time. And long story short, Coach Trailer had made some sort of statement about drinking queso. Zach drank queso on the pod. It was hard to watch, but some combination of Zach Barnett and Jeff Trailer made the statement: if they go undefeated. They're drinking a whole lot of queso. I think the term a gallon was thrown out. And I'm just letting you know, UTSA is about to go undefeated. So somebody is going to be drinking a lot of queso. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if a gallon. I don't know if a gallon of queso is uh, is is probably recommended by doctors. I would imagine they uh, they steer away from that one. Definitely not. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> somebody could die. Legit. We. <laughs> We don't want anybody to die in the football scoop. No. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, season comes to an end. Terrible loss. I'm sorry about that. You would think you're going to take some time away from football, maybe. No, you did not take time away from football. What did you do Saturday, Doug? Saturday, uh, my, my wife had said a, a couple of weeks ago that if we get tickets to the Michigan-Michigan State game, that uh, that's, that's what she wanted to do. So, uh, you know, Michigan State put out their their little feelers for for coaches. You know, if anyone wants to uh, hop on these tickets, and uh, I decided I'd, I we throw our hat in the ring. I, I really figured if both of them be undefeated. They'd be some really hard tickets to get a hold of. But Michigan State does a great job, you know, keeping some for coaches. And uh, I know there were there were a ton of coaches there um, using those tickets on. Uh, you know, the, you can't beat free tickets to Michigan State game. So, um, so yeah, my, my wife and I headed headed down. Um, Super early in the morning, and I've never seen so many people in East Lansing for a game. I mean, we really? we went 20 minutes out of our way to not fight traffic because it was just a, a standstill and things weren't moving. So uh, it it was a it was a wild environment. I've never seen so many people in East Lansing tailgating and, and in the stadium. It was it was a packed house. It was a unique environment. It was a heck of a football game too. It was, it was. They're down uh, sixteen at one point, and then and then just stormed back and played a great second half. You know, Mel Tucker's only been there two years, really, not even two full years yet, right? Um, have you gotten to know that staff? I know, I know some of those guys from where they've been previously, but have you gotten to get to know them at all since they've been there with COVID? You know, COVID's kind of been tough on. Out yeah, a, a little bit. I talked to a couple of coaches just before our season starts, um, just as the typical college coaches talking to high school head coaches type deal. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Comstock Park will ever be in a situation to, to send anyone to Michigan State, but I, I know that, you know, those guys make it seem like it doesn't matter. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, down to earth staff. Um, you know, I can, I can send them a text or I know other coaches send them a text and, and you know, they respond that day. So, very down to earth, very humble. Uh, you know, want to get better type guys. Yeah, I would. I would use the same terms. Uh, they are. They're very down to earth, just good people. Uh, very low ego. It's kind of what you would expect from a Michigan State staff. I think honestly, you know, it's agreed. Absolutely. Blue collar. Yeah. How about Michigan? Yeah, Michigan's. Uh, 
Michigan's in a tough spot. You know, Harbaugh, I mean, so many years in, and he just can't win the big games, the ones that really matter. And, you know, basically traded out his entire staff. Bunch of guys. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about Michigan. I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, I don't either. I, I can tell you from a, from a fan's perspective on the sideline, the, the, the energy – on that sideline is a lot different. And I think that's, that's in large part because of some of the youth uh, that he brought in. Um, but, but you, you see it at every Michigan game. That's, that's even televised, you know, when, um, when, when the other stadium is playing some music to hype up the home team, they embrace it, make it their own. I, I, I think that's really unique. Um, it just, the, the results are, aren't there yet in the big games, you know, he wins all of them that, he's supposed to. And then the, the coin flips uh, just seem to go the other way. And uh, you know, they, they controlled the game for a lot of it. And then Kenneth Walker got, um, got loose for a couple and, and completely changed the momentum of the game. And uh, you know, in order to close that gap, they had to convert two, um, two, two point conversions. So there were two for two on two point conversions, which uh, I, I can't remember the last time I, I saw that happen. It was, uh, it, it was, it was something to see. How good is a running back from Michigan State? He's really good. He, and and I, I don't I don't think their offensive line had a bunch of hype heading into the year that that I had seen anywhere. Uh so so for him to get loose behind a, an offensive line that was really unheralded walking into things, walking into the season is uh is good. He's got incredible balance, incredible vision. Uh once he gets in the open field, no one's chasing him down. So that's that's a unique combo. You know, I don't know how, how much I I don't want to say hyped it up, but uh, shared some insight when Michigan State hired them for Colorado, but when uh, Mel Tucker got the job at Colorado and he hired Chris Kapovic from North Carolina as his offensive line coach, I was like, Cap is one of the best in the country, hands down. That was a great hire, and that's what you're seeing. You know, he obviously brought him up to Michigan State, and I mean, he's straight up one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. He does a very good job, and they had a good offensive team, I believe. And uh, I haven't been to a Michigan State game this year. I watched them on TV a little bit. I thought the first couple of games, I said, this team's legit. They're real. And then I felt like there was something just wasn't hitting on all cylinders a couple weeks back. They struggled. They slogged through, but they got the wins. And then this game started. I was like, oh, man. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Michigan State didn't have it. But, boy, did they show some heart. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, Cass Cass been really good developing the O line. I think Jay Johnson's um uh just creativity with the offense is something that the fan base has been craving for a long, long time. Uh so to see them kind of scatter out and in that second two point play, they scattered out of a formation, um, kind of misdirection and got your got your focus on one side and then just threw a, an easy uh easy red zone fade to the other side for for a jump ball and could have lined up in one formation and done, done the same thing, but they, they had a little wrinkle to, to make you think and got, got the one on co- one coverage they were looking for. So Jay, uh, I thought Jay was really good as an offense coordinator at Minnesota. I thought he was very good at Louisiana Lafayette as well. And then Jay, Jay has always used motion uh, pre-snap movement and uh, really moves the ball around the field. I think Jay's a very, very good offense coordinator. And then he goes and spends some time at Georgia. And I guess that's where he, yeah, it's obviously where he and Mel Tucker got to know each other. And I think Jay is incredibly underrated. I think Jay's very good. So this leads me to, because of the Louisiana connection, Mel Tucker, you know, is in the conversation 
a lot of interest from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who might have a job opening at the moment. I'm pretty sure Michigan State trustees are well aware of that. So I presume Michigan State is making a preemptive offer strike. I presume that happened yesterday, to be honest. Um, any insight, Doug? Where, where do we think this – how does this play out? Mel Tucker is in demand. Mel Tucker uh, spent plenty of time with Saban, knows the SEC extremely well, knows what he'd be getting into. You know, he spent a year in Baton Rouge 20 years ago. So, I mean, knows Baton Rouge a little bit, knows the expectations. He's a hard recruiter. Uh, so, you know, you know what's in this hand at Michigan State where you are. You think you know what's over there in Baton Rouge because you know the SEC real well. I presume the dollars will be there both places. How does how does a coach in a situation like that make his decision? Uh, I, I think that's a great question. I think uh, you know the the one thing in the back of my mind, just from a fan's perspective, is is how Mel Tucker left Colorado. You know, saying that. That's that's where that's where he was, and then you know two days later things change. So th- things can change fast. That the SEC money uh, has to smell really good, I would think. Um, you know, you, you got to think that Nick Saban, you know, maybe has ten years left, maybe has two years left, maybe has five. I don't know, but the the power structure of the SEC changes a little bit when he leaves. I have to imagine. Uh, you know, Kirby will probably be at Georgia for as long as he wants to be at Georgia. Um, but the, I mean, there, there, there could be an opening in a, in a couple of years for a new SEC, you know, one or two, um, you know, with, with Saban gone in Alabama eventually, uh, is, is that appealing to a guy like Mel Tucker? I don't know. I, I think he's, he seems pretty soft-spoken, um, to, to kind of a degree as, as far as defensive guys go. Um, he's got some familiarity in East Lansing. He's got, you know, his, his family there. And I think he's got a lot of familiarity there from when he, when he was, uh, around before years ago. Um, so does, is that enough to keep him around? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I think that SEC money is, is, is going to talk and, um, you know, do you have a better chance to compete for a national title at Michigan state or LSU? I think we all know the answer to that. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know what keeps him at Michigan State. If it's uh, maybe he feels like he he's got everything he needs there, and is is maybe a step or two behind Ohio State. Uh, whereas LSU, he's got to chase Alabama and and Georgia for at least a little while. All right, so two things come to mind on this. You know, we talk about the SEC money, and it's my belief that the Big Ten has every single bit as much money as the SEC. But there's a different allocation of that money perhaps or there's the perception that there is the perception is the sec will go all in everything it takes to do whatever they need in football and i'm not sure that's the perception in the big 10 they got all the money i just don't know that they want to be seen as funneling it towards football and towards the coaches as much maybe i'm wrong that's a perception and also i believe the donors in the sec footprint generally are more willing to step up when necessary but that's that's so unique to the circumstances and the institution so again i think the money's gonna be close either place i think either one would kind of be in the right ballpark so i'm not sure that's the driver um trying to think where i was going with all that though but you know you mentioned which places what coaches are driven by is the opportunity to win a national championship so you want to win a national championship. Is it easier in the SEC West as we currently know it 
with Alabama, I don't think it's any easier. Um, I mean, you have to be Alabama. Now, you've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I don't know how they're going to wind up divvying up the SEC once those teams are in. I'm sure the agent community has thoughts on that and you know, can kind of get in Mel's ear and give him lay of the land down there. But up in the Big Ten, I mean, the key is you got to get to the Big Ten championship game. If you can get to the Big Ten championship game, if you win that, you should be in any sort of playoff. Same with the SEC. The SEC, honestly, sometimes you don't even have to get to the Big Ten to the SEC championship. So I don't know which one's easier. I don't even know if I'm going out there every year. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think I'd rather play Ohio State, Penn State, than than have to play Alabama, Georgia, uh, and and you know wh- whether Arkansas makes a push in the next few years. I I don't think you can you can look at Mel Tucker and think as soon as he gets plugged in, if LSU were the job for him, as soon as he got plugged in, it's a you know it's a race to the national title game. I think it's a two or three year process at the very least um, to kind of get things rolling in that direction. All right, last question for you on the Harbaugh side of things. What's what's the perception amongst other Michigan high school coaches of Harbaugh and his staff and the future for those guys? And does it truly matter if Harbaugh's the head coach there next year? I mean, are guys going because they want to go to the University of Michigan or are they going because they want to play for Jim Harbaugh? No, I I, th- I think it's it's they're going there because it's the University of Michigan. Um, I, I, I think, I think that's the bottom line. Michigan, uh, is a, is a unique place. It's kind of, you know, there, there's only a handful of those Alabama, Texas, you know, Mich- Michigan is in that conversation as far as, uh, history and things like that. Uh, but, but it's also, it's also interesting to think that, um, you know, the high school kids today don't really understand the, the Michigan history, um, behind the program because it's, it's, you know, our age and our parents age and, and things like that. So, um, you know, that it, the, the hard, the hard part for, for people to, um, imagine is if Harbaugh has gone, who, who do you want then? And I think that's where everyone draws a blank is there's not a, there's not a clear cut, you know, Michigan man type guy. Um, and, and that's what Michigan has hung its hat on for, for, you know, so long, uh, these last few hires outside of Rich Rod is, is a Michigan type guy. And, there's not one of those guys knocking on the door right now. So, so if, if it's not Harbaugh, who is it? I don't think anyone has a great answer for that right now. Great stuff on Twitter. He's at coach Sam's high school head football coach, football scoop content, man, but he keeps us moving. He feeds the beast. Glad, glad to have you back, Doug. I sure to wish you guys had won a few more games. Sorry, buddy. Amen. Me too. Appreciate it, Scott. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us on football scoop pod. Like, share, tell your wife, tell your kids. Five-star rating. All those things you do on podcasts. We love you. Thanks.